0: Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles for all of us who are looking for faith and spirituality beyond the confines of institutional religion. This is episode number 30. It's the fifth episode of season number two of the podcast. And we're doing something a little bit different this time. If you're a regular listener, um, the format may be a little different than what you're used to a couple of months ago. I sat down with Rob Reinders and Robert Payne of Social Thread, which is a nonprofit organization creating community where people can explore their faith on their own terms. And we we got together for a joint podcast production where we basically just hit record on a conversation for us to air on each other's platforms. So this episode aired on Social Thread back in October of 2020, Um, And we are now in January of 2021 as this episode is released. So if you're a Social Thread listener and you missed that episode, the whole conversation is now here on Accidental Tomatoes in all of its glory. Rob and Robert and I had a really interesting conversation about the new types of faith communities that we are trying to imagine and to create and to lead and about some of the research um, that Rob specifically has done about why people are leaving church and the types of things that motivate people in various um, religious contexts. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode and and enjoy meeting Rob and Robert. And just to help you track a little bit, Rob's will be the first voice you hear as we pick up our conversation. And then Robert will come in just a little bit later, so you can kind of tell who's who in the conversation um so please welcome rob reinders and robert Payne to the accidental tomatoes podcast you
1: mentioned so you mentioned your community is a lot similar to, to our community and um and social thread is uh, as robert said um at the beginning of our sort of intro which your folks won't hear but or i guess they will if they listen to our podcast um our listeners are your listeners
0: and it's all about cross pollination. It means. is <laughs> cross pollination,
1: but we're we're a community where we're trying to help people scratch that, I guess, faith and spirituality itch, but do it on their own their own terms. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you want to talk about some of the the research and some projects that I worked on that that led to this um, community, right. but um, yeah, we found too that we were pushed um, into an online world, but we're trying to figure out, I think, how to be back in person um, eventually, but it's, and we can talk about how that's opened us up to community across the country, much like your community has. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, we do, we do these weekly meetups where um, I think somebody described it the other day. Robert, you correct me. It's, it's like a a friendly convers conversation um, about topics on faith and life. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I think that's that's what we've been uh, trying to do and find a be a place for uh, spiritual spiritual refugees, but also people yeah. who maybe maybe have never been involved or never been part of a, a community where you're exploring a, a spiritual or faith based uh, path.
0: Yeah, we um we kind of refer to ourselves at New Wineskins as um, conversation and community for spiritual exiles. Um, And I think, yeah, I like that, you know, spiritual refugees, spiritual exiles. I think there's a lot of us out there. Um, And I, you know, like I said uh, a second ago, I think a lot of folks who kind of feel that way are still pretty firmly connected with their own, like their local church, faith community, whatever, um, but are just feeling this sense of, I don't know, frustration, incompleteness, uh, you know, like what we what we've witnessed in our community is from the folks who are still kind of connected to churches is like, they love their church. They love that community, but they're really like aggravated by the lack of ability to have really hard conversations, Mm -hmm. um, about some of the like taboo topics, you know, like human sexuality and race and things like that, that we, um, you know, polite church folks just don't want to talk about. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we just kind of felt like, um, if we can create a space for that, like that'll, that'll lead to some kind of, uh, of a community. Right. Um, so you know, we started ours, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background. Um, I started this thing out very informally, um, before I was an ordained clergy person, um, just gathering some pr- friends in like the the private events room of this little local brew pub uh, close to where I live, and and just you know kind of build it as a com a, a place where we could come and talk about Jesus and drink beer at the same time. Which sign me up, I'm in. Yeah, not surprisingly, <laughs> no. a lot of people were very interested in that. Right, and um and I knew like this was in 2014, and I knew from the very first time like these people, okay, I probably twenty some people showed up the first time, and all I had done was like emailed some people um, and maybe Facebook messaged some people that I thought might be interested. but I didn't do any like public posts, no marketing, anything like that. Um, and like these people showed up and and they all had some connection with me or came with somebody who knew me, but they didn't know each other very well, like a lot of the mm-hmm. folks didn't know each other. but the level of like, authentic vulnerability that people showed mm. from the very beginnings of the conversation mm. really told me that we were onto something that we were scratching an itch that people were really looking yeah. for. Right. Um, so, and I think when we get, you know, in a little bit, when we talk about some of your research, I think you, yeah. you know, some of the work you did kind of bears that out. Like mm-hmm. we came upon it kind of accidentally and organically. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a reason for that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you put words to, maybe what folks who are still in church but also doing new wineskins and by the way i mean there's so many parallels to to what you're doing with and what we're doing because a lot of our participants are are church folks too but feel like and and i don't even know if it's if it's a supplement um as much as a um in addition to their, their church experience, yeah, so like yeah. the, like they, like they're rounding something out. Like there's this missing
0: piece. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the vulnerability and authenticity piece is so huge. And I think churches for, for all the good that that churches do, there's, that's, and there's horrifying things that churches do, but that vulnerability and authenticity piece, I hear that over and over again. Like, why is that not happening at church but folks are craving that so much yeah
2: well and i think one of the i think one of the um most powerful things about what we're doing at social thread and maybe you are finding this too joe is that um we say right at the um outset that there isn't a um there isn't a doctrinal statement that people have a have to abide by for mm-hmm. social thread and so and so I think that there is a mental trigger that it, once they're in an environment where they're not subject to dogma, to judgment, yeah, uh, or or having to have an answer that's in a specific mind frame, then suddenly they're able to be vulnerable. They're able to answer and ask questions that are really hard. That that it, maybe there's just some kind of you know, block at a church where they can't, they can't ask that Mm -hmm. question because they know if they ask that question or give that answer or, or, or say, Hey, I feel this way that immediately they're going to feel judgment and feel shame. And so I think, uh, providing that is, um, you know, and, and I think that there's also a fear, too, in a lot of ch- church leaders. that, Oh, well, we can't go that way. You know, that's going to create a lot yeah. of dangerous, yeah. you know, it's going to create a lot of like unorthodox or uh, unorthodox uh, doctrine or practices. But I think what we have found, though, is that um, by a- able to answer those questions in a safe place, people are able to um, to deepen their spiritual walk, whatever their um, uh, faith path or wisdom tradition might be.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I think for a lot of leaders, like there, I think there's a fear, um, that if I don't have the answers, you know, there's a fear of, of loss of credibility or authority or whatever goes along with that. One of the things, um... I guess if we had a doctrinal statement at New Wineskins, it would be answers are boring. I'm more interested in the questions, right? mm-hmm. um, and that's it's like an unofficial mantra. But I repeat it over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, especially when folks show up. Um, and we still like even after six or six and a half years, I'm still seeing new people um, show up. You know, on in our Zoom calls now, but used to be you know in our in-person meetings, like pretty regularly, not every single week, but, you know, every month or so, somebody will will pop in either by invitation from, from another person or just happened to see us, you know, online somewhere and wanted to check it out. Um, and so, you know, whenever there's somebody that hasn't heard me say that before, I say it again, because I think it's just foundational to our, you know, just for us specifically as a community, like we're not, I don't really care about giving you answers, but I really want to give you the space to ask the questions that you need to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, now I might give you my opinions about those things, and I'll try to be really careful to say, you know, this is just my opinion. Um, and it might be based on a theological education and all of that, but still, like, you got, at some point, leaders have to be humble enough to say, I might be wrong about this, and that's okay, you know?
2: Mm-hmm yeah and I think that that's that's really powerful because I think people um people really want to be able to explore uh, you know explore um the questions. and I think when you get to a point where you're realizing you know hey the the question is probably the most important thing than to to find the answer. I really like how you are um, giving because because even though um that might not seem um uh, traditional, but that's still you're giving structure in which people can explore their faith, and I really like yeah.
0: that. Yeah, I was um, I was interviewing um, a local rabbi yesterday uh, for for my Accidental Tomatoes podcast, and we were we got to talking about the the Talmudic tradition and the Midrash tradition of storytelling in Judaism. And one of the things that really resonated with me that he said, um, and I, I need to kind of spend some time thinking about this was. This, you know, very Jewish idea um, that that the point of, of reading the scriptures is not to give us answers per se, that the point is is the engagement, right? And especially when we're engaging with those sacred writings in community. That's that is far more uh, important and more like influential and more transformative than just simply opening up this book to try to get answers to life, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and two, I, I think one of the breakthroughs, um, I've had psychologically or intellectually or whatever is there's this layer of what can and what can't we talk about right answers, wrong answers around doctrine, theology, and politics and that's yeah. like sort of one level and i think for people who are interested in those conversations that provides a certain type of of stimulation um but what i found is there's this even deeper base level of just like how do i <laughs> how do i survive today <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> how, how do i how do i get through this thing i'm going through with my family with my kids and and whatever and i think in in more progressive like social justice oriented um, a traditional in that sense, um, churches, those things are seen as like, oh, well, that's whether we intend to do that or not, there's a shame in, well, that's, that's being selfish. That's not thinking about the bigger picture, um, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, so, so we need to find the right answers on, on these topics and sort of your own base level needs, come come second but what I think we found is like man if you're miserable if you are not the person you're trying to be or called to be like you can't help other people if you can't help yourself um and and the the vulnerability piece is huge in that because we all just judge the hell out of each other Mm. and it's like man if I say am I I'm afraid or I'm struggling I don't know how to be a good parent or a good spouse um, or I hate my effing job. Yeah. Um, but people are going to look down on me for that. And I'm afraid to say that, like, I'll never deal with that. And that's just going to mm-hmm. get build up. And that's a huge part of our our faith is, like, you know, who we are and who we're created to be um, and how we deal with the struggles of life and the anxieties and, and all of those mm-hmm. things. So I think that that's what's been really powerful for me through this journey is like oh my god everyone's scared to freaking death <laughs> and yeah. we don't mm-hmm. know how to do this adulting thing and there's aren't spaces to talk about this where we're not constantly comparing each other to one another
0: yeah how much of that do you think might also be like not not just the fear of judgment from others but also mm-hmm the fear of our own judgment of ourselves. Like if, yes, if, if that, if that idea gets out of my mouth mm-hmm. into the world, then I have to own that. Right.
1: I got to deal with it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think, I think you're spot on. Totally spot on. So, talk about uh, you mentioned you've mentioned accidental tomatoes a couple times now. Um,
0: what's see what's how subtle story? I am when I plug? Yeah. My- <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the story behind the name? Yeah. So, I'll try to give you the shortest version that I can. Sure. Um, so, I, I went to um, to this thing called Wild Goose Festival last year. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's uh-huh. it kind of has grown out of the progressive tradition. Brian McLaren and a, a bunch of those kind of more progressive theologians brought the idea back from a festival called, I think it was called Greenbelt or something like that in England. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it's been one of those things that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Like it's just this hippie Christian festival <laughs> thing um, with music and like all of the people whose books I read and yeah podcasts I listen to and all of that. And, So I finally got a chance to go last year after trying for several years. And I came back from that just like with this, it it was like it, it, there was something that flipped in my brain that said all of these things that you always said, I wish I could, Mm. I have now witnessed that there are other people that are doing that and that it's possible. Mm. And you can, and so I came home and I was thinking about like, okay, here's, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to relaunch this blog. uh, I'm going to, quit my job with the corporate church and which I have on on our conference staff for Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years um, in the communications office, which it was a a great job. I loved it, but like I had, like, I needed to do something new and different. Like that's, Mm -hmm. and that's when I go back and tell people like my call story, right? That's always been at the heart of it. (laughs) Like that there's got to be something new and different, a new paradigm. So I, you know, all of this is kind of stewing in my brain. And I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm kind of thinking about what the format's going to look like. And I'm an old marketing guy, so, like, I need a a brand, right? (laughs) I need a name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I've got this outside my kitchen window. There's a little herb garden in our front landscaping. And several years ago, I had planted, you know, just the standard, like, basil and thyme and oregano and stuff. And then I threw in like some hot pepper plants and some cherry tomatoes because I wanted to make fresh homemade salsa. Um, And I planted cherry tomatoes because I didn't want to deal with full-size tomatoes. I just wanted little things. So, you know, the garden did really well that year. And then at the end of the season, I cleaned it out. And I've like, I've got a black thumb. I can't grow things to save my life, but I just got lucky. The weather was right. Things grew really well. And then that fall, I like dug up, everything. Cause I was going to start over again the next year. It was kind of getting out of control. And I, I just never got around to like replanting anything or putting any new dirt in the thing. And he, shortly after I got back from, um, from wild goose last year, I'm, I'm looking out in that little patch of dirt that like weeds are growing up in it. And I've been spraying roundup, trying to kill the weeds. And like, I feel like a complete environmental traitor every time I do that, but it's the only way I, I do that. <laughs> and so I, I cleaned all the weeds out of it and stuff. And I look out the window and there's this plant poking up. I'm like, man, I got to go out there and pick weeds again. I got and look at it and it's a tomato plant. Like, and and this metaphor hit me, right? That here's this, this plant that in soil, that's been totally untended for two years. In fact, that I actively tried to destroy, you know, but this thing is persisting on growing. And I just saw this this association between that stupid little tomato plant and the people um, who have been disenfranchised from the institutional church, right? Mm. That we we actively neglect them. We sometimes even actively damage them. We create toxic environments. And then we wonder why they won't come to our churches. And yet, despite all of the things that we do wrong, people still persist, right? They still persist in <clears throat> pursuing Jesus. like outside of the church. Um, and I'd had enough conversations with folks to, to know, and, and just, you know, from because we'd been doing new wineskins for a while at that point, like I knew that that was a lot of people's story and uh, and that they were hungry for that kind of community. And so that's, that's sort of the short um, version of how that name came about, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a metaphor created a brand and, and it went from there
1: nice was a great it. story yeah yeah i hear that you know, yeah that's coming up come up with a name that gets people i mean it has a story behind it anyway but it's also one that says "Ooh, tell me more about that yeah 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 like that's, yeah right where did right. that come from mm-hmm. that's automatic talking point yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> about something you're passionate about <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um
0: yeah so let me ask um, a question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me kind of turn it the other way because what uh-huh. what I found interesting, you know, when you and I first started talking, Rob, uh, when mm-hmm. our friend Neil uh, kind of introduced us, and like the, I think you you said at the outset that you kind of like we felt like we've known each other forever, even though it's only been a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think our friend Neil saw something in us both that said he's good at there's that. The, there's this kindred mm-hmm. spirit kind of yeah. thing um maybe it's a quantum entanglement thing that's that's kind of my <laughs> new like that's my new obsession i hear richard roar talking about quantum entanglement i'm like oh Ooh. that's good stuff man i gotta do it.
1: but um i think we have a topic for a meetup uh, oh yeah you yeah, you yeah, yeah. 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 um
0: but uh, you know as we got to talking and um you know i attended a, a social thread meetup and you attended a, a new wineskins gathering um i started to see this this um what really interested me was, you know, you had done a bunch of research that kind of led to where you were with starting Social Thread. You know, I I started New Wineskins kind of seat in my pants and very organically. <laughs> but I yeah. saw this kind of confluence of of purpose in those things. And I said to somebody, it might have been me, I don't remember. I said to somebody, like, you were like three years ahead of me on the research and the planning. And, and we were like a couple of years ahead of you all on like the actual execution part of it. And, and I've started, and I've, and since I had that idea, um, I've kind of been imagining, you know, a conversation about, about that, like about how these two worlds kind of have converged and may continue to like converge in the future. I don't know Mm -hmm. where that might go, but, um, I just think Mm -hmm. there's some interesting possibilities there.
1: Yeah. And and to give people more context, you know, we back up to I was a was the United Methodist campus minister at Arizona State for five years, and you know, you're working with young adults in one of the most formative, if not the most formative, time of their life, but also their most exploratory time of of life. Um, and, and then from that, I started a church for basically those <laughs> you know, adults who were graduating from college and they were coming to, in the United Methodist church, if you're listening, you're not United Methodist, we call our college ministries, Wesley Foundations. And right. uh-huh. I had students coming back on break and stuff who graduated and be like, I can't find anything that's like Wesley Foundation, um, out in the world. And, um, and so I'm just not going to church. Um, I'm not continuing on that faith journey. And I look back on it at the time, now having done some professional research around this, being like, oh my God, I totally know what was happening now. Um, mm-hmm. And and we'll come back to that in a second. So I started this church for like, okay, I got to find this place for these, these young adults. Um, and even though they were moving across the country, I'm like, there's got to be more in Phoenix who are like this and are looking for community. Um, and... Uh, So I did that, got totally burned out (laughs) in my third year of doing that, totally wrecked um, for and and totally my own fault and just had no idea what my mind and body and soul uh, were going through and, and just kept trying to push it and push it and push it. And, you know, you can only do that to yourself for so long. Took a break, built some healthy habits, and then came back and was like, man, there's got to be, there's a healthier Rob, there's got to be a healthier way to do church. Yeah, There's got to be a healthier way to do religion, and spirituality, because there's so many people out there screaming and saying, uh, I'm not becoming a better person. In fact, I'm I'm deeply wounded, I'm deeply hurt. Um, and, and even if I didn't have that bad experience, I'm hearing about that bad experience and saying, man, I got all these problems in life. And um I should be able to go to the church, but all I'm hearing is horror stories about mm, yeah. um people getting chewed up and spit out for for all kinds of various reasons. And I said, you know what? We gotta do that. We c- c- we can do this differently. And I walked right into project managing a research project of well, why are people leaving religion? Why are people fed up with religion? And is there anything we can do about it? And just to save all of us time, um, it came down to this this base key learning of where our brains are wired differently um, in the world. And um, there's a spectrum, and on one end of the spectrum is what we call traditionalists, people who value tradition and authority and a particular way of doing things. And who need that? Like, that's just how their brains are wired. And on the other side, people who want to figure it all out on their own and want to do it on their own terms. Um, And for the longest time, the world was mostly traditionalists. And again, we fall along a spectrum. There's no, right, right. You know, there's no pure hardcore traditions. There's no pure um, explorer. You know, everyone kind of bunches around the middle. But for the longest time, it leaned towards that traditionalist side. And now, as we know, from just, you know, common sense, and but also looking at all the Pew studies and stuff that have been done around people leaving church and spiritual, but not religious and stuff like that. Now that that big group of people is tipping more on the explorer side. So more and more people rejecting the tradition and people saying, it's the the YouTube generation. My kids don't ask me how to do something. They're like, Hey, they, they, they go on YouTube. Say, I'll, I'll figure this out I'm all by myself. I don't need your help. Like, um, and so I need to start making YouTube videos of myself teaching them how to be adults. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that explains a lot of what's going on. And, and I don't want to let churches and religious organizations who have done real, real harm to people, um, because, you know, there, there is no excuse for a lot of things that have been right. done, but I think a lot of the general, like what's, what's happening is you have a lot of explorers who are in traditionalist situations and, you know, you, you put those two forces together without knowing what's happening and yeah, people are going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to be like, they're starting to say, I, I don't fit here. It just doesn't feel right. I have questions and I want to ask questions and I can't. And the traditionalists are just saying like, why would you ever ask questions? Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Like, that's just, that's crazy. Why would we're you ask evil. questions? <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. We're, we're, we're right. Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so my aha moment was sort of the, yeah, we do need to figure out a way to all kind of live together and be in healthy community together But at the same time, like, let's stop trying to force traditionalists to be explorers and explorers to be, um, traditionalists like our institutions and how we do these things don't have to be static. We don't take a, uh, we don't get a ride to the airport like we used to, you know, in a taxi cab. Um, we're not going to be all driving gasoline based cars, uh, for much longer. Um, there's just a, million different ways we do things and we explore things Um, and religion I think has to adapt to that as well while still saying like you want to drive a gas guzzling SUV long term that's not practical but um, you know that's who you are and that's your thing and other people um, you know do it differently so let's let's stop trying to force each other in one box yeah and let's you know let's provide some more boxes
0: mm-hmm. i think that's really important um because i think a lot of times and you kind of alluded to this a little earlier like a lot of times the progressive notion is it's almost its own kind of fundamentalism right mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah um you know a- agree with me or else in-, in the same way that progressives are rejecting you know, a more conservative approach <laughs> that that seems yeah. to say, agree with me or else. Yeah. And I think that recognition, um, I, I love I love the imagery of a spectrum, right? That we're all in sort of these different places. And, and an institution like the church needs to be really intentional about making space for all of those folks wherever they are on that yeah. spectrum. And I think the one thing, and I think it's starting to happen, and I think maybe <clears throat> folks like us are kind of, and this is not to like blow our horns or anything, although mm-hmm. maybe they deserve to be blown. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like I think there's some of us that are kind of out on the this is PG-13 le-
1: 13 yeah. podcast now,
0: <laughs> out on the the leading edge of um, what does it look like to have the right leaders in the right places for those kinds of things. You know, mm-hmm. we've always, especially in the United Methodist Church, we've always kind of had this kind of a cookie cutter approach. You know, I mean, we we somewhat attempt to place pastors in, with congregations where there's a little bit of a, a match, a convergence of, but we can't like, we can't thoroughly yeah. do that. And yeah. so you end up with, you know, pastors that hate their congregation or congregations that hate their pastor. And it's not because either of them are bad. It's just that it's not a good yeah. match. And I they're think they're wired differently. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what, what your research is shown and what you were just talking about is to say, all right, here's these, these people are, fall on these spectrums. Now, how can we put the right leaders in the right places for those folks wherever they yeah. are, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Or or even just having that awareness, like, you know, a, a lot of stuff you learn in therapy is just like, when you know what's happening to you, that in itself is so powerful. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't get out of this situation or I, I can't fix, you know, my level of depression or whatever but now I know what's happening to me and now I'm not going to panic. Um, but now I can be strategic as well. And, and sometimes just like, Oh, I'm an explorer pastor in a traditionalist congregation. And now I can take a 30,000 foot view and, and go about my day that way and not drive myself into deep conflict and, and depression with my, congregation um it still may not work out in the end but at least you can be like oh this is what's going on and the more i keep trying to push my explorer self on these traditionalists the angrier <laughs> they're gonna yeah, get yeah, yeah. and yeah. the crazier i'm gonna go um and and two that that works vice versa I, I i part of the other work we do is work with established congregations on this and if we could have lay folks People in the chairs, people in the pews sort of understand that as well uh, of like, hey, this may not be a total match here in leadership. But if we're all sort of aware of that, we can work on that together in a healthy, constructive way versus butting heads. Yeah, yeah. because like you said, there's with a the clergy shortage and, and, and leadership shortage in, in our denomination, the United Methodist Church, um, there's just not... We don't have the luxury to just sort of match everybody up um, mm-hmm. you know, right. perfectly. When when it does happen, that's great, and I can actually look at when I look at healthy congregations, I'm like, usually it's because okay, they're matched here. Yeah, like. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, Robert, how does that work in the Southern Baptist Church? <laughs> that, that's your <laughs> the tribe well, you're, you're coming yeah. from. <laughs> well, yeah,
2: so yeah, Southern Baptist it doesn't have uh, the confines of. Um, uh, structure so everything is independent all the churches and so I think what you guys are referring to as deacons what we just call pastors no, no matter where where you are in the structure or how you are uh, what authority you're given yeah. and the only um, the only collaboration between any of the churches that make it Southern Baptist is that everybody puts a portion of the church's tithe into a big fund that uh uh furthers um uh, missionaries around the world who um do var- various things yeah so that, that's yeah. Re- that, and that's it that's it so so southern baptist is known for the independence like you can't tell me what to do
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know and i when i've witnessed in um not just southern baptist but a lot of um, churches with with less denominational structure let's say that more that are congregational i guess like just to mm-hmm. kind of, cuz there are several denominations that do that kind of model is that you know what Rob and I are talking about um, as far as like a a pastor being well matched with the congregation like that—that that happens kind of organically in those churches. Because what happens is, if a congregation yeah. gets angry with a pastor, or a pastor gets angry with the congregation, they just go start a new church. And and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. No, like it's yeah. just like that's what happens, and mm-hmm. that's how church growth happens in a lot of those kind of. It's not the only way, but it's a way that mm-hmm. church growth happens in those kinds of um, contexts. Is you know when and if that kind of um, confrontation happens or whatever the pastor just says, okay, I'm going to go start a new church. Or the people in the congregation who are upset say, well, we're just going to go start a new church and we're going to find a pastor Mm -hmm. that agrees with us. Right. And that's, it just happens in a different way. You know, you're not locked into that, um, that structure Mm -hmm. of itinerancy. where, like, we are where, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
1: And and explorers who have never had anything to do with the church who and, and listen to this are like you guys are insane. You're not in <laughs> that no yeah. sense, all of <laughs> you. Anyway, no, all yeah. of you. All of you are just yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like this is why. Why would you ever tie yourself to any kind of institution? <laughs> uh, alas, we were born into it. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> we're we're. Yeah, we're living out our therapy right here on. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah.
0: laughs> and, and for me, it's <laughs> always been Wesleyan theology that has kept me centered sure. in, in the Methodist yeah. world, um, although there are other places where there are, are good expressions of that, too. But um, in fact, yeah. I've got some some really close friends that are Baptist clergy um, who have been through um, the Walk to Emmaus Uh, experience, which is, Mm -hmm. it's not really Methodist, but it's very Wesleyan in its theological structure. And, Mm -hmm. and they've, they have thoroughly adopted, you know, that Wesleyan theology of grace in their context. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, um,
1: now, if people have been listening to this and even though both of our communities are now unexpectedly (laughs) national (laughs) movements, That's right. Of dozens of people (laughs) (laughs) combined, Um, but we will be back in person together uh, one day. And then two, I think you know, people may be listening and say, "Hey, you know what? Social thread sounds like my thing." Or people are listening and say, "New wineskin sounds like my thing." Um, uh, You know, how how can people get involved with what you're doing and and learn more and get in touch with
0: you? Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of a both and, I think, you know, I mean, we're, we're all looking forward to being in person again. Um, But I think what we've discovered as we've done things online is like, there's a need for that to continue Mm -hmm. in some way. And what, one of the things that we've kind of said as a community now is, um, and this came from the community really, not from me, is like, there's, they want this to now be an online especially when we started to realize that we weren't bound by proximity anymore right that mm-hmm. when we started having folks from Arizona right and Florida and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and you know um that are that have become kind of part of of our extended community like that are our, our our the core of our group wants to maintain that so what we've kind of said is we will gather in person again but it won't be going back to what we did before, it will be a whole new expression of who this community is that Mm -hmm. exists online that now is going to have a component of which meets, you know, in a local place. And so what I kind of dream about kind of big picture, and I know this, um, this kind of, uh, dovetails with a lot of the work that you, that you did, you know, like in your research project was to, to have, you know, maybe new wineskins then becomes the hub of a network. Uh, of of local kind of micro communities that are connected right through, through yeah. our our online presence, but who are also developing relationships in person once we can do that again. So so yeah, yeah. that's kind of the long way of answering your question. Where can you find us? So, yeah <laughs> yeah. So um, new wine skins. Um, we are uh we're online at mov. Uh, For mid-Ohio Valley wineskins, when I went to register a domain name, new wineskins was already taken. So since we were meeting in the mid-Ohio Valley region of West Virginia and Ohio, uh, that's why the the name is what it is. So it's movwineskins.com. And on um, Facebook and Instagram, it's the same. It's at movwineskins. Um, And then Accidental Tomatoes um, is accidentaltomatoes.com. Um, and same thing on social media where at accidental Tomatoes. I think on Twitter, it's at accidental T O M A one because accidental tomatoes was too long a handle for Twitter. So, (laughs) and I I didn't realize that until I had already established the account and I'm like, Oh crap, I'm not going back and changing it now. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you can, you can still find us, um, that way. So, and, and all of these things like. Even though there's kind of different brands, different names, like the new Wineskins community. Accidental Tomatoes is sort of the content hub for sure. the new Wineskins community. And, and I'm really working hard at at um streamlining that even a little bit further. Um yeah. so yeah, that's that's where we are. How about you guys?
1: Yeah, so um we are at socialthread.org. Um, you can go on there and, and sort of find all kinds of stuff, um, including how to get involved. There's a big button. Click. It says get involved. Uh,
0: and <laughs> well, no matter we, where you scroll, the button is still there. That's, that's It really is. Uh, you, you can tell what we
1: want people to do when they go to the website. <laughs> get involved. Um, if you don't want to get involved, but you want to you want to stalk us? You can sign up for the email newsletter there too. You could also find uh, podcast episodes if you're listening. You've probably already found the podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just like, "Hey, uh, I really enjoy what what these guys are doing and want to um, support the the work," you go to socialthread.org/support. And make a awesome, awesome donation and and keep this party going. Um, and what else did I did I miss? If and if you come to meetups, uh, we have all kinds of swag uh, for you too. So if you yep. like, your bottles yeah, I got paint. my
0: sticker, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But if you come to, going to put it in my trapper keeper. If you no. come to <laughs>
2: to, 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 six, six, come to six meetups, you get this really cool. You can have a choice between this or a fanny pack, which I don't have.
1: Yeah, so water bottle or me, fanny right? pack. Yep. It's great. Sweet. So, we're super. We're I got to get on the swag
0: yeah. bandwagon. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm behind yeah. on the swag bandwagon. <laughs> you do. I, <laughs> I, people, I'd people wear, I'd, the, I'd wear the
1: hell out of an accidental tomatoes. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. That'll, yeah, I'll,
0: I'm going to put that in my 2021 strategic plan. Is There you go. Swag for Rob. That's yeah. <laughs> swag for the Robs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. Well, thank you guys, man. This has been, it's been so much fun to have this conversation and um, to kind of, You know, to kind of continue that dream about what might be, I think one of the things, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and Rob, you and I kind of talked about this uh, in some of our previous conversations. But, like, we've got to start developing some new paradigms and not just simply trying to adapt old content to new Mm -hmm. media, um, but developing whole new ways of thinking about what it means to be, you know, communities of people trying to follow the way of Jesus Mm -hmm. and everything that goes into that.
1: Yep. Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. Oh.
0: That was such a fun and informative conversation I think with Rob and Robert and I hope maybe you found something in what we were saying about the new types of faith communities uh that that we're imagining and and trying to put together that can inspire you or or at least give you some comfort um that maybe there is still something worth holding on to in in the big wide realm uh the big tent of Christianity. Um, You just heard all of the places where you can find uh, both of our um, podcasts and and, and the content that we create, Um, but if you have any ideas or suggestions for future topics, um, I would love to hear from you. You can, um, again, reach out on Facebook or Twitter uh, at the places you just heard me mention at the end of the interview, or you can email me at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, please be sure to give us a rating and a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Those rating and reviews are one of the best ways to help other people find us and connect with our community and participate in this ongoing conversation that we're having together. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing at Accidental Tomatoes, you can donate through Patreon where your support helps us to offset some of the expenses of producing content for the community. Just go to patreon.com slash to learn more. So until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us for another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast.